Hey, good morning, faith family. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville in our venue also. I invite you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles or tablet, whatever you're using, to Galatians chapter 5. We've been in a series the last several weeks uh, talking about freedom. If you're new with us this morning, we are absolutely delighted that you're here. Uh, we're going to continue in that series, though next week we will take a break uh, for a few weeks, and then we'll come back to Galatians uh, to start the new year off. And so we're going to start the year off with freedom. It's going to be a great way to start, and then we'll wrap up uh, the book of Galatians. Hey, while you're turning there just quickly, could I ask you as a faith family uh, to pray for me and a team uh, from Berean? We're going to be leaving at a very ungodly hour in the morning, uh, 3 a.m., Uh, to go on a mission trip to Guatemala. We're going to be working among the poor there, uh, doing some gospel ministry, and uh, just really excited. This is going to be a fantastic team, an awesome opportunity uh, to serve and be the light and salt uh, of the gospel there. And so would you please pray for us uh, as you think of us next week uh, that the Lord would use... um, our efforts for his ultimate glory. And so uh, pray for us next week. Um, So we'll take a little break, uh, do uh, all the awesome Christmas stuff, and then we'll come back to Galatians. But for this morning, we've got one more uh, message that I want us to do before we take that break. Galatians chapter 5, which is where we left off last week. Galatians 5 verse 1. I'm going to ask in all of our uh, locations, if you're able to please stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Let's talk some more about freedom this morning. Galatians 5, verse 1, uh, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Uh, This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Pray for me. Let's ask God to come and teach us this morning through his word. Father, we are so grateful Uh, for this moment in our week where we get to gather together and we get to um, partake of things like communion that reminds us of all that Christ has done for us. We get to to sing and just express joy to you for who you are, what you're doing in our life. Uh, Now for the opportunity to be under the authority of your word, for, for you to literally speak to us through the scriptures. So Holy Spirit, come in this moment, do powerful things 
in our life and in this faith family, all to the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I absolutely love giving gifts. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoy receiving gifts as much as the next person, but I really love giving gifts. In fact, I'm the kind of person that loves to give the perfect gift. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh, when somebody opens a gift for me, I want angels to sing hallelujah. Uh, I want white doves to be flying around their head and they fall on their knees and cry holy. I mean, I, I, I want them to be like, wow, this is the perfect gift. I love giving gifts. And that's particularly true for my kids. Uh, if you're a parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle, you, you may know this, but like I absolutely love seeing that expression on the face of one of my kids when they open something that they really want, right? I know some of you think that's bad parenting. But anyways, uh, and imagine my frustration now knowing all this several years ago when my son, my oldest, uh, finally got to that point in his life when he was able to open gifts. I will tell you I was more excited than he was. I searched high and low, east to west, to find him that perfect gift, something that he would play with until he was 18 years old, something that would change his life forever. You ever had that feeling? What I mean, if you had that feeling where you were more excited about the gift you were giving than they were to open it, well, that was me. And something really, really strange happened. I gave my son the gift. We gave him this gift, and he opens the gift, and there it is. This gift that I had gone to great effort to to purchase for him, this gift that that I had searched high and low for him to enjoy, this gift that I was so excited for him to be able to experience, and that little scoundrel started playing with the box. (laughs) You little punk, right? I was like... I was so disappointed. I wasn't disappointed in him. I was disappointed that he wasn't experiencing the gift that I wanted to give him. And so I thought, if that's how you're going to be, next year I'm just going to get you a laundry basket. (laughs) That'll learn you, right? But you know what? The truth of the matter is I thought about that story, you know, over the years. I thought the truth of the matter is we're the same way, aren't we? What I mean is that all of us can relate to not experiencing the fullness of what we have access to. Uh, We have computers with amazing technology, and yet some of you only use them to check email and surf the web. Some of you uh, have cable subscriptions with over 200 channels, and you watch the same five over and over. Some of you men have a garage full of tools and you don't use half of them. We have cars that will go over a hundred miles an hour and we know people that can't drive 55. (laughs) Hurry up, let's go, use it, right? And the list goes on and on and on. Dishes we never use, rooms we never go into, clothes we never wear, All of us know what it's like to not experience the fullness of what we have. Oh, me. Could it be, Christian, 
that we have been given an amazing gift. A gift purchased at an enormous price. The gift of freedom. And we've settled for playing with the box. Oh, we go to church and we read our Bible occasionally. We talk about how great heaven's going to be one day when we get there. But in the daily Christian experience of our life, we don't experience the fullness of the freedom God gave us. It is exactly the burden that the Apostle Paul has when he comes into chapter 5. Look at verse 1. It's for freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This is a summary statement uh, for the Apostle Paul because you notice the word, therefore, which you know is a word in the Bible that takes us back to everything that Paul has just said, meaning everything that I've talked to you about from Abraham to Peter uh, to, to the covenants to adoption to your idol worship of the past to your family tree with Sarah and Hagar. All of that was not a theological exercise. All of that was not to impress you with my intelligence. All of that was to say, you've been set free, so be free. Galatians, Bereans, Christians, he didn't give you the gift to play with the box. He gave you freedom for what purpose? To be free. To experience the freedom that is yours in Christ. Now, if you're new with us this morning, uh, because we have a lot of guests that, that come on a, uh, every weekend, uh, let me explain the background of this book again very quickly. There's a group known as the Judaizers. The Judaizers are telling these Christians, if you want to be accepted with God... The big theological word, justified, if you want to be approved before God, you have to obey the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. In other words, you need faith in Christ and you need to add to it the law in order to be right. So being right with God is about what you do and how you live. Now, we experience the same thing, and I've been trying to break this down into our life every week, that we don't tend to follow the Mosaic law, we follow the moral law, if you will. It goes like this, man, I got to be a good spouse, I got to be a good parent, I got to do better, I got to be a good Christian. If I do more, God will love me more. The better I am, the more God loves me. The worse I am, the, the, the less God's going to love me. And we live in this system that what? I do equals who I am. And Paul says, that is the recipe for slavery. That will steal your freedom. And if you live that way, if you live under that bondage, you will never, ever experience the gift that Christ purchased for you on the cross. Galatians 1, 4, Christ died to deliver us from the present evil age. He died to purchase our freedom. Why would you want to live under bondage? 
And so what is kind of a summary passage, Paul will now say, why would you want to live this way? And he does so in four ways. Notice verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, that represents the law. In other words, if you say that what I do gains me approval with God, then here's what happens. Christ will be of no advantage to you. If this is about you, faith family, Lakeville, venue, everybody, if this is about you, then you don't need Jesus. If this is about your works and how good you are, you don't need the cross. Christ is of no advantage to you whatsoever. You said, but it's just kind of adding my works to his work. Yeah, but you don't understand. When you add your work to his work, it's no longer about his work. You've made it about you. And Paul says, if that's the case, then you don't need Christ. Notice a second reason why he says, why would you want to live this way? Look at verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. In other words, here's the second idea is if it's about you, then guess what? It has to all be about you. If, if you want to go this law road, guess what? You got to keep all the law. You don't get to pick and choose, well, I'll do the uh, don't murder thing, but then that lie thing, I'll just skip over that. You don't get to pick and choose. It's an all or nothing reality. Listen to what James says in James 2 verse 10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder... You have become a transgressor of the law, do you see? You can't, you can't pick and choose. So if you say, listen, Brian, if you say, I think that what I do defines who I am, then you'd better be perfect. Because while your teacher may have graded on a curve, and your parents may have said, oh, I guess the room is clean enough, when it wasn't, or you had a debtor that settled for a lesser amount just so you could solve the debt, God is a perfect God, meaning the only payment that can justify you is perfection. It's all. Do you really want to live this way? You see, if you make this about you, it's not about Jesus. If you make this about you, then it's got to be all about you. And then notice thirdly, verse 4. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Oh, that verse is so misunderstood. People like to parachute in and say, aha, there's a verse that proves you can lose your salvation, right? That is not what Paul's talking about at all. Let the context of the passage interpret the verse. Here's what he's saying. Everybody right here, Lakeville Venue. You can't rely on self-effort and grace, because they're opposites. Think about it this way. The law is about your ability. What can I do? What can I accomplish? What can I live up to? But grace is about your inability. Are y'all with me? The whole reason you need grace is because you acknowledge you can't do it. 
In other words, what Paul is saying in context is this. Watch me. If you're running towards law, you're running away from grace. I fall from grace. What did he just say? Right? Our pastor falls from grace? Yes. I fall from grace every time I think that what I do defines who I am rather than what he has done. Are you with me? Paul is saying you can't run towards the law without falling away from grace. It's either grace or law. It's not both. So do you really want to live this way? Do you want to make this all about you? Do you want to make this not about Christ? Do you want a system where there's no grace for your inability? And then notice number four, beginning at verse five. For you through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. That's a powerful, powerful verse. Um, The word hope is the idea of confidence, the idea of assurance. It's not, well, I hope so. It's I'm certain of. Paul talks about this certainty, this hope of righteousness. So here's the question. You ready? Everybody right here. If you're going to base your life on doing enough, how will you ever know when you've done enough? If you're going to base your life on self-effort, I'm, I'm an American, man. I'm going to pull myself up and I'm going to do this for God and I'm going to make him proud and I'm going to earn my own approval. You're setting yourself up for hopelessness because your performance will never give you confidence. It's up and down. And you have really good days and you have really bad days. Amen? Anybody with me? Am I the only one? So why would you want to live putting your hope in you? Isn't that a powerful question? Because you're never going to know if you've done enough, but there's a better way. You could just simply say, it's not about me, and it's all about Jesus. And I'm going to put all my hope, all my assurance, all my confidence in what he has done. Glory to God. That gives me hope. That gives me confidence that it's not based on my effort. It's based on his achievement. So Paul is basically saying, come on, like, it's been four chapters. Is it finally sinking in? Do you not get this? Has the light bulb gone off in your life? Hello? You really want to keep living this way? No. Don't you see? Don't settle for playing with the box. You've been given the gift. Don't make this about you. Don't run away from grace. Don't lose all your hope and assurance. Experience freedom. Why would you want to try to achieve your approval when you receive it by faith? Why would you want to try harder to do enough when you need to just declare that he's enough? Why would you play with the box rather than enjoy the gift? Do you see the flow of that? Like, I'm just going to stop here. This is a great point to just say, man, is it, it's been three months we've been talking about this. Are you getting it? I'm talking to you, Lakeville venue, everybody. Come here. Are you gospel clean? Has it finally clicked 
where your identity lies. Because enough is enough already. I'm tired of being a Christian playing with the box when I've been given the gift of freedom. Like someone wrote this week saying, uh, thank you for never ever compromising God's truth. Thank you for never watering it down. I am hungry and I'm counting on you to speak the truth to me every week. There's no room for false idols in this girl's life. Thank you for showing me that my prison door is wide open and I am set free. Come on, it's time to start experiencing the gift, not play with the box. Like someone else wrote, Pastor, with tears in my eyes. I now know exactly where I need to be and I can't do it on my own. Praise God. My heart goes out to family members that that they can get out of law that's hurting them and experience the joy that I'm receiving. It's hard to hear them preach to me that I'm doing something wrong by going to Berean. Uh, I've... uh, (laughs) I've had close family friends that have stopped talking to me and giving me the cold shoulder, but this Sunday I've had the overwhelming peace. I'm right where I need to be. Come on, stop playing with the box and start experiencing the gift. Another writes, when I got to my car Saturday night for the first time in a long time, I could breathe. Breathe knowing that my salvation is not based on rules, that the God of the universe actually loves me. 2017 has brought me some of the deepest places of rejection that I have ever felt. It's been so hard for me to feel like I have worth. I've been in this constant mental state of thinking I need to be a better Christian so that he'll receive me when I die. I listened to the message again on Thursday night so that I could hear once more, I don't need to live like a slave. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, stop playing with the box and start experiencing the gift of freedom. It is for freedom you've been set free. Why in the world would you want to live this way anymore? You really want to make this not about Jesus? You really want to make this all about you? You really want a system where there's no grace? You really want a system where you'll have no hope? Why would you want to be a slave? And I'm talking about your Monday morning, and I'm talking about your marriage relationship, and I'm talking about how you interact with people at work. I'm talking about your freedom. And I ain't up here just talking to you every week. I'm up here after, by the power of Jesus Christ, your heart, that the chains would come off. Because he didn't buy this for us. He didn't purchase this for us for us to sit around and play a game. I didn't even mean to say all that. But I'm serious. And so is Paul. There is no middle way. So repent of your American do-it-yourselfness and cling to the gospel or you won't be free. So what I want, Galatians, is you realize there's no middle way and run with all your heart, all your focus, all your energy towards the right way. Verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Paul now turns to say, Galatians, you've experienced this gift before. You've known this freedom. Uh, You've received the gospel and you were living in it. But somebody, watch the pun, cut in front of you. 
right? Really bad circumcision joke right there, all right? You let somebody, remember the Judaizers? You let, really, some of you are driving home. I can't believe you told that joke. Uh, you let somebody cut in front of you. In other words, you were running along well. You, you understood the gospel. You were living in the freedom of the gospel, and somebody hindered your running. You let somebody get in front of you and hinder your race, Much like 1984, the Olympics, there was a lady by the name of Mary Decker. She was already a champion, and everybody believed that she would win the race. Uh, but, But somebody gets in front of her in that race, and watch what happens. Barefooted, she's much happier barefooted, and the world champion, oh, quarter then, and this is the danger, and Decker's down. Oh, the world champion, and one of the favorites, is now flat out on the infield. And Mary Decker out of the race. Man, I tell you, that's exactly what Paul's talking about. You were running along and you started letting these voices of the Judaizers trip you up. You started letting this false teaching begin to influence your thinking about who you are. And as a result, you've fallen down. You've lost your freedom. Paul says, listen, it doesn't take much to start influencing the way you think, and before long you've drifted from the gospel. Verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Do you see? It only takes a little bit of poison to contaminate everything. Are you with me? It only takes a little cancer to spread through the body. It only takes a little drift, and you're back in slavery. I'm not really sure about this whole Bible thing. Really, just one way? But you know what? My parents have always taught me that uh, who you are is based on what you make it. I wish he'd stop preaching the gospel every week. It's so boring. When are we going to get on to deeper things? I'm so glad you're laughing, all right? It tells me you know there is no deeper thing than the gospel. Amen? But it doesn't take much until this is you. You were running along, experiencing the freedom. And then you started letting what she thinks about you matter more than what God thinks about you. Man, you were running along and you were experiencing the gift. And then you started letting what your boss thinks about you become more important than what God thinks about you. Don't you see? It's just a little drift. But listen, when you start adding something to the gospel of thinking that that's my identity rather than Jesus, right here, right here, Lakeville Venue, everybody, that's not a minor mistake. It's an offense to the cross. Look at verse 11, Paul's about to get serious. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, if I still preach that whole you're saved by what you do, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul's saying, functionally living like you don't need the cross is an offense to the cross. Hello, what does the cross declare to you? You couldn't do it. Your ability to save yourself was so insufficient, God had to die. Do you need a louder signal than that? 
So when you turn it around and say, no, 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 God, thanks anyway, but I got this, you're not making a little minor theological mistake. You're robbing the glory that is God's. Which is why Paul will say, and you were hoping I wouldn't read it, verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. What? (laughs) What did he just say? Don't you ever send me an email about what I say inappropriate in a sermon, all right? I will send that verse back at you. You try me. I'm not sending it at you like it applies. I'm just saying, I'm going to say, if Paul can say this, I'm good, all right? (laughs) Paul has just gone from saying, your mother's not Sarah, it's Hagar, to now, oh, you want to be saved by circumcision? Well, I hope the knife slips. (laughs) Don't owe me. (laughs) You're acting like I wrote that verse. You don't find too many coffee mugs with that verse on it. (laughs) I love the Bible. Love the Bible. Why? Why, 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 why? Why would Paul use that language? Because he's intolerant of anything that's a false gospel. He's intolerant of anything that would rob you of your freedom. Because he's sick and tired of you playing with the box. He wants your freedom and I want your freedom. So run, baby, run, run, run. After the gospel and all the freedom that is yours in Christ. There's no middle way. Run after the right way. And then here's the last part of our text, verse 13. The gospel calls us to a better way. Oh, man. I think what Paul does here is profound. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And I thought, why the shift? Because if you look at verse 13, there's the word for. It's a gar in the Greek. You don't need to remember that. But it, it, in other words, it's continuing the argument. Paul, Paul didn't just like, uh, okay, I'm going to start talking about other people would just shift gears really quick. No, no, no. He's actually giving an implication of what he's just said. That's what a, a gar, that's what for means. It's, it's a reason why this matters. And it is profound. And if you've missed anything that I've said thus far, I really want to ask you, Lakeville Venue, everybody, if you will listen to what I think Paul is pointing us to here. Here's what he's saying. The gospel calls us to live with others based on love and not law. Okay, you with me thus far? The gospel calls us to live with others in relationship with other people, not based on law, but based on love. The reason is, is when you get so tangled up in your self-effort, watch, you're not relating to other people appropriately, gospel-centeredly. 
And so as I studied this, this was the phrase that God gave me uh, that I think Paul is teaching, and we're just going to plant here for a minute or two and and hopefully have an aha moment. Here's the phrase. Freedom, this is what I think Paul is saying with the gar, freedom experienced vertically becomes freedom expressed horizontally. Now let that settle. Freedom experienced vertically. So when I begin to live in the freedom that is mine in Christ, I begin to experience the gift rather than just play with the box. What happens in my life is I start expressing that same kind of freedom to others. Do you have any idea what that means? Listen. One of the ways that you know you're trying to perform for God's love is you make other people perform for yours. You approach people on a performance-based acceptance because you're relating to God with a performance-based acceptance. Spouse, you want me to love you? Perform for me. Do what I want you to do. My love's not based on who you are. My love is based on what you do for me. Why? Because that's how you're operating with God. One of the reasons why you need freedom in your life is because there are other people enslaved to you. Boss, coworker, spouse, You don't even understand what the implication is of your living in slavery for others in your life. That's profound. But man, when you start experiencing freedom, when you start experiencing all that it's yours in Christ, it changes your relationships. Because it's no longer slavery, it's freedom. In other words, think of it this way. Treat your relationships like a mirror that will tell you whether or not you're experiencing the gift. Because if you're approaching everybody in your life based on their performance, it's a good sign that you're not free. So let me ask you these questions. What about your marriage? We're going to stop and just think about this. Those of you that are married... Is your marriage based on law or love? I'm not suggesting that there are not expectations. I'm just asking, is your relationship to one another performance-based? Second, what about friendships? Is your friendships with other people based on law or love? What about parenting? Do you approach your children based on law or love? What about church relationships with one another? Is it based on law or love? Because if your love is performance-based, it's a good sign you think his love is performance-based. So what are your relationships telling you about your freedom? I think that's what Paul is showing us here. 
For you were called the freedom brothers, and look at how this gets lived out in your relationships. I'll say it again. Freedom experienced vertically becomes freedom expressed horizontally. That is, what you experience vertically, watch this, become ex- becomes expressed horizontally. Does that remind you of anything? So brother and sister, I want you to be free for your freedom and I also want you to be free for others around you. There's no middle way. It's either all you or all him. Amen? So why would you want to live that way? Run, run, run after the freedom that's yours in Christ for your sake and for others. Three application questions and we'll close. Number one this morning, are you convinced of the gospel? Are you really? I'm talking to you, faith family. Are you convinced that justification is by faith alone? Are you convinced that your approval with God is totally based on what he has done and not what you do? Can you say, I need no other argument, I need no other plea, it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me? Number two, are you cautious of the false gospels or the voice of the Judaizers that are around you every day? Who is hindering you? What is hindering you? Who are those individuals or circumstances in your life that loves to bring you back away from the gospel? And then lastly, are you cultivating gospel relationships? Are your relationships based on grace rather than guilt, love instead of law? Are they performance-based? And if so, you need to do business with God because your freedom with Him will translate into freedom with others. Well, this is my prayer. It's, it, we're not done with Galatians. But for over four chapters now, it's been, come on. What other argument do I need to give you to point you in the direction of freedom, not just to know it, but to really live it, to really experience it. And so today I'm actually going to give you um, an illustration as we close that I want you to think about. Take a look. Come with me to the video room. I want to show you something. No, man, I'm not for film right now. Come on, seriously. Come on, Billy, come on. The Visalia Oaks and our 240-pound catcher, Jeremy Brown, who, as you know, scared to run to second base. This was in the game six weeks ago. This guy's going to start him off with a fastball. Jeremy's going to take him to deep center. Here's what's really interesting. Because Jeremy's going to do what he never does. He's going to go for it. He's going to round first, and he's going to go for it. Okay? Okay. This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Oh, they're laughing at him. Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He'd hit a home run. 
and didn't even realize it. I want you to look at that image for just a minute. Some of you have been stuck on first base for far too long because you're afraid to go beyond. You are stuck in a religious tradition. You are paralyzed by the approval of others. And you are basing your identity on all the wrong voices. All the while, 2,000 years ago, Jesus hit the grand slam of freedom. And you're still on first base. Do you not realize it's over? It's finished? There's victory in Jesus. There is freedom in His name. Do you realize, dear friend, the precious gift He purchased for you at the cross? So why are you playing with the box? It is for freedom that He set you free. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, that that would be true. I pray, pray, pray that there are, I pray that all of us today would, would understand what's at stake. What was given to us by the cross and the empty tomb, the beautiful precious gift of freedom. It is for freedom that you have set us free. I know, I, I believe that there are some here today and they, they never trusted Christ as their Savior. If they were to be asked, on what basis do you think God would accept you? They would answer, um, I'm a pretty good person. I hope they've heard this morning with clarity that that's a recipe for slavery. And that there is a far greater, more beautiful way. It's the way of the gospel. And that today they would turn from their sin of thinking that they can do enough and they would put their faith in the fact that Christ is enough. And there are others in this place that have listen to the lies, the voices of the Judaizers in their life, and they were running strong. But that's been a while. They've been tripped up and pulled over by all the wrong false gospels. And this morning is a time of repentance and renewal to say no more. I'm running after the freedom that's mine in Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, come and make clear to us uh, what you would have us apply and what you would have us do in Jesus' name. Amen.